Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ. My name is Cody Westbrook. I'm the preacher for the Southwest Congregation, and I'll be your host for our study this afternoon. I want you to notice uh, today uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. As we consider a study of the book of 1 John, the theme of this book and the theme of our study is that you may know. And what we're interested in in this book is what it has to say about confidence and about faith and about knowledge, about knowing where we stand in the sight of God. In 1 John chapter 1, John laid the foundation really for the book whenever he talked about fellowship and about the importance of walking in the light. In 1 John 2, the first section, verses 1 to 6 of this chapter, John will deal with some additional principles which we will see unpacked again in the latter parts of this book. I want to read these six verses together and then break them down in three sections and work our way through them one at a time and uh, see if we can come to a better understanding of what these uh, passages of Scripture are communicating. John said, My little children, these things I write unto you so that you sin not. And if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that says he abides in him ought also himself to walk, even as he walks." Now, I want you to notice with me, first of all, the first section here in verse 1 and 2 where John describes our advocate, our advocate. Now, last episode, we looked at 1 John 1, verse 5 to 10, and we talked about the importance of walking in the light and how the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of our sin, conditioned upon our walking in the light and our confession of sin. And we talked about the fact that Although God desires for us to walk in the light, He also understands that there are going to be times when we do fall, when we do make a mistake, and when we do commit a sin. Now, in 1 John 2, verse 1 to 2, John elaborates on that very principle even further. In chapter 1, he told us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But now in chapter 2, he's telling us that we have an advocate. But before we talk about an advocate, I want you to notice the first part of verse number one where John gives us one of his three purpose statements. He says, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. You see, the goal not only for the book of 1 John, but the goal for the Christian in general is that we avoid sin. That we avoid sin. In fact, This is a theme that John will address multiple times in this book. Listen to chapter 2, verse 12. He says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Listen to chapter 3, verse number 6. 
He says, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has not seen him, neither known him. He says in chapter 3, verse 8 and verse number 9, He who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was made known, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. And then finally in chapter 5 and verse 18, John writes, We know that whosoever is born of God sins not, but he that is begotten of God keeps himself, and that wicked one does not touch him. Now in all these passages, there's one thing that's clear, and that is that the goal for the child of God is to avoid sin at every cost. But there's also a question. Are these passages trying to tell us that it is impossible for a child of God to sin, and that if a, a, a Christian really does sin, then that means he's not actually a Christian? No, that's not what they're talking about at all. Go back to chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, and notice again, just by way of reminder, when we look at the word walk, we're talking about a lifestyle. We're not talking about a once-in-a-while thing. We're not talking about a one-time thing. We're talking about an all-the-time thing. Well, when these passages talk about a child of God not sinning, what it's talking about is that lifestyle. You see, a child of God is walking in the light, and so therefore his habit, his way of life is not sin. Now, he may sin every once in a while. He may make a mistake from time to time, but that's not who he is. He is not a sinner. You see, sometimes we describe ourselves as sinners, and that's not accurate because Christians are not sinners. Christians are those who have been redeemed from sin and who have left the world and the power of sin. So John says, I write unto you so that you sin not. The idea is that we avoid sin at every cost. But what happens when we do stumble and when we do commit a sin? Now, he says, if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That word advocate can have to do with a friend, but it also is, is a word that sometimes has to do with literally a defense attorney. So if you can imagine in your mind a court of law in the heavenly realm, and God is the judge of all the earth, and we are on trial, and Jesus Christ is our defense attorney. He pleads our case. The idea is that we have someone who is on our side, who is fighting for us. And again, note that this is not a one-time thing or an every-once-in-a-while thing. This is an all-the-time thing. This is more continuous action that's being described by John through inspiration. He says, Jesus is our advocate. He always will be our advocate. Jesus is on our side. He fights for us. And there's more. He says, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. The word propitiation is a word that is really packed full of meaning. It's used again in chapter 4, verse 10. It's also found in Romans 3.25 and referenced in Hebrews 9, verse 5. And the literal definition is a wrath appeaser. So when we talk about Christ being the propitiation for our sins, what we mean is that the justice of God is, is satisfied in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That our sins are cast aside. That the penalty for sin has been paid. And so therefore we can stand right in the sight of God. Jesus has become the sacrificial lamb 
that the penalty for our sin, which is ours, we bear that penalty, we deserve that penalty, but Jesus took that penalty upon himself. And not just for us, but for the sins of the whole world. So, if I'm a Christian, John says, look, when you do sin, the goal is to not sin, but, but when you do sin, understand that Jesus Christ, the righteous, is on our side, that he has become the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice, the expiation for our sins. And so therefore he pleads our case. Now I want you to notice with me, I want you to notice with me verse 3 and verse 4, where John talks now about what it is to know God, what it is to know God. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now there are so many uh, occasions in this book where we have to say something about the grammar of the uh, language of the New Testament, the Greek language, the original language of the New Testament, because there's meaning that is found within that grammar that doesn't always translate fully into the English language. And here's another verse in which that comes into play. I want you to look at the word know. John uses it twice. And first of all, what kind of knowledge is he talking about? You see, the Greeks had one word that described a knowledge by observation. You see something and so you know because you've seen it. But that's not this word. This word is a word that the Greeks would use to describe a full or a complete knowledge or understanding. A full knowledge, a full understanding. Now, notice, hereby we do know that we know him. The word know, the first time that John uses it, is a present tense verb. Meaning, just like last episode in chapter 1 when we looked at the word walk, those were present tense verbs. It's another word that describes an ongoing action. So, hereby we know that we know him. In other words, we, we are constantly in knowledge of him, if you will. The first word, know, is present, but the second is what's called a perfect tense verb. And the significance of the perfect tense verb is that it reaches back into the past to a certain point, and it says, okay, something happened in the past at one point in time, and the effects of that continue on into this present time. So hereby we do know. In other words, we have this constant knowledge that we know him, that we came to know him at one point in the past and continue to know him to this point in the present. Well, how is that possible? How can we know him? If we keep his commandments. Do you remember verse uh, 7 of chapter 1? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Walking in the light had to do with what? Well, it had to do with living a faithful life. It had, it had to do with obedience. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 3 John said, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. He then said in John 15, 14, You are my friends if you do whatever I tell you to do. You see, one of the major emphasis in the book of 1 John is obedience. And there are a lot of people in the religious world who spend a good deal of time talking about knowing God about knowing him personally and about having a relationship with God. John says, if you really want to know God, you have to obey him. 
you have to keep his commandments. Because verse 4 says that the person who says that I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I want you to focus on that word truth. Jesus is described as the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, verse 6. The truth sets us free, John 8, 32. The truth sanctifies us, John 17, 17. And God delights by knowing that we walk in the truth or that our life is characterized by truth, 2 John 4 and 3 John 4. You see, truth is sometimes described as sort of a realm We live in truth. We walk in truth. We practice truth. Truth is who we are. It's kind of like living in the light versus living in darkness. Living in truth versus living in non-truth or living in lie or living in an error. And John said, if you don't know God by practicing His commandments, then you're not living or abiding in the truth. You're abiding in the darkness. You're abiding in a lie. You're abiding in error. That's why it's so important to know and to obey the will of God. Now look at verse 5 and 6. In these two verses, John talks about what it is to know God, and we see a familiar uh, sentiment in these two verses. He says, But whoever keeps his word, in him truly is the love of God perfected, and hereby we know that we are in him. He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. So again, the idea of knowledge, how do we know what we know? Well, look at this. Whoever keeps his word, that's obedience. That's walking in the light. That's sinning not. You see how John repeats these themes over and over again in different ways. Whoever keeps his word, in him is the love of God perfected. The love of God, that refers to our love for God. And he says that that love is perfected. Well, what does it mean that it's perfected? Well, the idea is a mature love that promotes consistency in practice. I'll say that again. A mature love that promotes consistency in practice. Later in this book, in chapter 3, verse 13 to 24, John is going to talk about the importance of love being demonstrated in action. For example, in 1 John 3, 18, he says, My little children, let us not love in word nor in tongue, but in deed and in truth. What does that mean? It means that, that love is more than just speaking words. Real love is not just saying, I love you. Real love is showing it, is demonstrating it in action. Well, the love of God being perfected, our love for God is mature when it's consistent. Our love for God is mature when it's not just something we say. Anybody can say they love God. It's whenever we show it by how we live. It's whenever we show it by walking in the light and avoiding sin. You see, this is a problem in the religious world. There are so many people who claim to be Christians and claim to love God. They say that they do, and they mean it when they say it. The problem is they just don't show it. They say one thing, and then they live something totally different. That's not right. That's not biblical, and that's not real love for God. If we really love God, then we will obey Him. That's what this passage is saying. And then he builds on it in verse 6. He says, He that says he abides in him ought also to walk even as he has walked. Look at the word abide. 
The word abide has to do with remaining. There's a permanence here. It's like being permanently cemented, if you will. And John uses the same language, or Jesus, I should say, uses the same language in John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8, when he talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches, and whoever abides in me is fruitful, brings forth much fruit, and, and herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. You see, if we're going to be fruitful, then we have to remain in Christ. Well, if we're going to be in Christ, then what does that mean? That we're going to have to walk even as He walked. We're going to have to live like He lived. Remember Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. As children of God, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as He has loved us and given Himself for us as a, a, sweet, a sacrifice unto God for a sweet-smelling savor. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 that, that Jesus suffered, leaving us an example so that we should follow in His footsteps. See, our goal is to be more like Christ every day in how we think, in what we say, in how we act, in how we love, in how we behave ourselves. We ought to try to be more like Christ and more like God, our Heavenly Father, in every area of our lives. That's the goal. So now, as it pertains to knowledge, how can I know that I'm right with God? Well, I can know that because I have an advocate with the Father. I can know that because I am keeping His commandments. I can know that because my love for God is demonstrated not in what I say, but in what I do. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. That's the end of our episode. As always, we are so thankful that you have taken the time to study God's Word with us. And as always, we want to encourage you to let your friends and your loved ones know about our podcast and about the work of the Southwest Church of Christ and also the Southwest School of Bible Studies. We uh, would encourage you to visit our website or to contact us if there's any way that we can serve you or maybe you have some questions or some feedback for the, uh, regarding the material that we've covered or maybe can cover on this podcast. Thank you again for joining us, and Lord willing, we'll see you again next time as we open up God's Word and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.